Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Life with Tina podcast show. How are you guys doing? So today we are going to just sit down and chat about lots of different things, but mainly what's been on my mind is children. And uh, as most of you know, if you are following us over on our YouTube channel, Home Free Alaska, the Watsons have had a big change in our family and in our home. A good change, very exciting, but it's definitely uh, brought on some much needed uh, work as far as like our family routine, our family dynamic, just kind of the structure of our family as a whole. So I just wanted to chat with you guys about that today because I think it leads into some other things as far as raising the children that we've we've already raised. And I think that this may resonate with a lot of you. My name is Tina. I'm the host of this podcast show and also the creator of the YouTube channel, Home Free Alaska, where we share from scratch recipes, homeschool life inspiration, and our homesteading journey with you. This podcast is a spinoff of our channel, a behind the scenes look into our life on the homestead. Raw and unfiltered, I share my thoughts on motherhood, marriage, our culture, and our spiritual pursuit as believers. Thanks for joining me. Now let's get on with today's show. So as I was saying, we have had a really big change here in the Watson house. And man, there's just so much that goes along with it. So for those that may not know, we just took guardianship of a, actually it was Parker's best friend from when we lived back in Virginia. And uh, he's a seven-year-old little boy. His name is Callan. And he has come to live with us here in Alaska for at least a year. Um, I, you know, for obvious reasons on the YouTube channel and, and even here, I, I've just decided I'm not going to go into any specifics on the reasons why his mom came to the, the decision she's come to to try and put Kellen in, in, I guess, what she feels a better situation than what he was in there. Uh, but you know, we knew the family really well when we lived at the apartment in Virginia for the nine months before we moved to Alaska, you guys know, we sold our homestead and moved into this apartment. And this, this apartment is where we met the family. He was living with his grandmother temporarily and they lived upstairs from us and him and Parker just became best friends. So we kind of knew of some of the struggles that Kellen was having while we were living there. Um, and just kind of the dynamics of the family. And we had, talked about the possibility of maybe adopting Kellen one day and we kind of kicked that discussion around for the last year with his grandmother and a little bit with his mom because he was living with his grandmother at the time that we met them and you know by the time we moved to Alaska the decision hadn't been made for whatever reason and I just kind of accepted that and said okay you know it wasn't meant to be as much as I wanted it and as much as we thought that it might be good for Kellen because of what he was uh, going through, um, but it didn't happen. So we moved on. We moved to Alaska. We kept in touch with the family and have spoke to them a couple times. And uh, anyway, the decision was made just a few weeks ago. Like this is all completely fresh. This is so new. Um, but the decision was made to have Kellen come stay with us for at least a year guardianship. And depending on how good that year goes with, you know, him adapting, us adapting with having him, you know, with his mom, just everything, we will broach the subject at the end of the year on whether uh, Kellen will stay with us beyond that or if they want Kellen to, Kellen to come back home. So obviously, when you bring a child into your home, they're there's a lot of things that change, just so much. For those of you that don't know, Joe and I have two biological children. Our daughter, Lexi, is actually, well, she's gonna be 21 uh, this this next month in March. She'll be 21. And then our son, Parker, is almost 11. So there's a pretty big age gap between Lexi and Parker. We had intended on having one child, uh, and probably around the time Lex was like nine or 10, I started like thinking, man, I, I really want more kids. Uh, I wanted a boy. I wanted to be able to experience what it was like to have one of each. And then Lexi, of course, wanted to be a big sister. It bothered her that she was the only child. And, you know, she had friends at school that had siblings and she wished that she had siblings and all that. So long story short, there came Parker. <laughs> so we have two biological children. We did try to adopt a couple years back 
and that adoption fell through. And in the interim, we just hadn't really decided if we wanted to try to requalify for adopting here in Alaska because the home study background check fingerprints, like all the things would have to be redone. And we just weren't really sure if we were up to that. So we did last summer, some of you may know, again, if you watch the YouTube channel, uh, that we decided to have a vasectomy reversal. Joe got a vasectomy back about six, seven years ago when we decided we were done having children, which was stupid. We should have never done that. <laughs> we were like uh, 34, 35 years old when we made that decision. And I just think there's a lot of, I mean, to each their own, don't hear me judging you if you got a vasectomy, because obviously Joe got one, but I'm just saying there's other ways to um, not get pregnant that aren't so permanent and aren't so expensive and don't require surgeries. And you never, never freaking know how you're going to feel a year from now versus how you felt before. And so we just started talking about maybe having another baby. And, you know, of course this stuff comes up like, wow, there'd be the same age gap between this baby and Parker that there was for Lexi and Parker. Essentially, there'd be like a 10, 11 year age gap between all three of our children if we had another baby right now. So, um, but to that, I say, who cares? Uh, lots of people have their opinions and I really don't care because it's our life and it's our family. And the bottom line is, is God wants us to have children. I mean, we see that all over the Bible. As long as you are mentally, emotionally, and financially stable and capable to have children, the Lord wants us to be blessed and be fruitful and multiply. He says that over and over and over again in the Bible. The Lord loves children. And that was always his desire was for us to um, have children, lots of them. You know, I'm 40. Gosh, how old am I? I'm 41. I'm about to be 41 in May. And Joe is 43. And so we are healthy. And in my opinion, we are young um, in the fertility department and reproductive department. Both of us have no issues. His vasectomy reversal was successful. You know, months after the reversal, they have you send in samples so that they can test and see if there is semen there. And there was. So the tubes were successfully reconnected. So, you know, that option is still there. And it's, it's funny, you know, we are, we are, we are healthy human beings and there are plenty of people that have babies beyond the age of 40 successful pregnancies and, uh, but it's just funny if you listen to today's culture, everybody's like, oh my gosh, you shouldn't have kids after 35. Uh, you know, and granted, yes, there are some risks of, you know, certain things beyond 35 years old that, but that doesn't mean that's going to happen. Right. So it's funny. Somebody told me one of the comments on one of my YouTube channels about the vasectomy reversal. Someone's like, oh, I don't think you should have any more babies. You know, it's really hard on your body and with your neck issues. And I'm like, I pulled my neck out last summer and I had like two or three episodes of my neck being pulled out again since then. And I did physical therapy, did massage therapy and stuff. And since we've gotten to Alaska, I've been doing really good. But it's just funny because pulling a neck muscle would have no effect on me having a healthy, successful pregnancy. <laughs> and it would have no effect on my baby being healthy, right, in the womb. So it's just funny. Um, I had a urinary tract infection when we first got to Alaska. I did a YouTube video on that. I ended up in the ER. The infection was from a rare bacteria uh, not E. coli, which is typically the bacteria that causes urinary tract infections, which comes from like fecal matter and stuff like that. That is not what my UTI was caused by. It was actually a rare bacteria that was resistant to most antibiotics. Anyway, turned into an episode, ended up in the ER. Um, my bladder, I had to get a catheter. I couldn't pee on my own. It was excruciating pain. And someone else brought that up too. And they were like, oh, but y'all, you and all your medical problems, I don't know if you should have any more babies. And I'm like, are, are you kidding? Like it was a urinary tract infection. I've had two UTIs in my entire life. One was when I was 17 years old and then one a few months ago when we first got to Alaska. It's not like I have chronic urinary tract infections or I have, you know, chronic bladder issues. It was a bacteria that caused me to have this infection. We got rid of it, did my round of antibiotics, went back and gave a, a urine sample and the bacteria is gone. But it's just so funny, right? People, um, oh, let me silence my phone. 
people come up with the most ridiculous things to kind of like, you know, bolster their argument or whatever. The, the bottom line is Joe and I are healthy and perfectly capable of having another baby if we so choose to do so. And we have been trying since last summer, July of 2022. Every month we have been trying. I was doing ovulation test strips just to try to narrow down that day to uh, pinpoint and make it um, more meaningful. Because, you know, ladies, we only drop an egg once a month. <laughs> so it's it's kind of crazy when you look at the woman's like reproductive system and how that works. It's pretty amazing. There is actually a really small window every month that you can get pregnant. And so I was testing uh, ovulation to make sure that we were uh, doing the boom boom at the right time. So with Callan coming, it's funny because it kind of changes things. And what makes it even harder is that we don't even know if we will have Kellen permanently or if this is just going to be a temporary thing for the next year, which is what we've agreed to with his mom. Um, you know, we have signed notarized paperwork, so Kellen is in our care for at least a year. But anything beyond that or moving into the option of an open adoption is to be discussed, and we're, we just don't know how that's going to go. So it's crazy because... Before we got Callan, I totally had my heart set on having another baby. And Joe and I and Parker, we all had, that's what we were going to do. That was the plan. We wouldn't have spent $8,000 for the vasectomy reversal and having Joe go in for the procedure if that's not what we wanted to have. Um, but now it's like, I don't know, because I've prayed to the Lord and we've prayed to God and asked for another baby or another child and asked if that was his will for us that he let it be done, whatever that may be. And in a sense, I kind of feel like God blessed us with another child. Just out of absolutely nowhere, Callan is living in our home right now. And it, it was literally a whirlwind, you guys. It From the time that Callan's mom and his grandma called us and had the three-way conversation that they had made this decision, he was here with us within two weeks of that conversation. And we just finished our first week of having him here with us. So it's kind of like the thought of having the baby was before we had Kellen. And now I'm homeschooling two children. I'm homeschooling Parker and Kellen. You know, I, I just don't know, friends. I honestly, we've got to pray about it and um, just kind of see what the Lord puts on our hearts, I guess, because Right now with Parker and Kellen, Joe and I both feel very fulfilled. We don't feel as strong of a desire now to try and have another baby. And if we had Kellen forever, if we were allowed to adopt him, I would be completely 100% satisfied with that for our family. And I don't think that I would continue to try to have another baby. Um, so I don't know. And Joe feels the same way. We've had a lot of talks about it, and it's just interesting. But yeah, we'll just have to see where it goes. And I'm sure that there's going to be people that are like, oh, wow, you had Joe get a reversal for nothing. You guys wasted all that money on the procedure for nothing. It's like, what about it? It's our money. It's our life. It's Joe's testicles. <laughs> Pardon my language, but can we just be real here? And as far as I'm concerned, we just put Joe back together again. You know, that's how Joe is supposed to be to begin with. I don't think we had any business getting a vasectomy to start with. We surely didn't consult the Lord with that decision, right? We just decided we don't want to have any more kids, or so we thought. And we went and got that vasectomy without even consulting God and saying, hey, you know, do you want us to have more babies? Like, what's your will for our family? So who cares if we spent the money? I think it was like 8000 that we spent on getting Joe's vasectomy reversed. And as far as I'm concerned, we put him back together again the way he should have been. And it is what it is. Like, who cares, right? So I don't know. That's going to be interesting. And like I said, it's tough because we don't know if this with Callan is permanent, I guess, it would be a little bit more of an easier decision, but there's a small part of me that if we don't get to keep Kellen after this year, that does still want to try to have another baby. I don't know. So we're going to have to think about that. But, you know, with Kellen being here, it's it's been interesting because with Parker, and I'm sure a lot of you can kind of relate to this, you know, 
Parker essentially is the only child because Lexi is grown and doesn't live with us anymore. She lives in California. So for all intents and purposes, he's the only child. And he, he has been for a while. I mean, even when Lexi lived at home, there was such an age gap between them that it wasn't like they played together. You know, Lexi was a teenager when he was a little boy and off doing her thing with her friends and stuff. So there was such an age difference there that, you know, they were always close. Lexi and Parker love each other. Even to this day, they're super close, but they weren't the same age. So there wasn't that connection that there would have been with like siblings that are the same age. So being that Parker is pretty much the only kid, you know, we are flexible with Parker as far as like our daily routine, our school routine, even our bedtime schedule sometimes. And, you know, it's because Parker's our kid and we can be like that if we want to. And Parker is very mature for his age. He's 10 and a half years old and just kind of knows how the family flows. And so if there's a night where I'm like, hey, I'll let you stay up an hour later because we're watching a family movie and then the next night, it's like, you're going to bed on time. Parker's never questioned me and been like, well, you let me stay up late last night. Like, Parker just knows. Like, you just do what you're told and you don't ask questions, basically. <laughs> We're the parents. We're the boss. Don't ask questions. But it's just, it's easy to do that with him because he's our kid and he's grown up with us and he knows what to expect and, and all that. But bringing Kellen into the home, I knew it was going to be very, very important. I mean, crucial, actually for us to tidy up that family routine so that Kellen could come into the home and knew exactly what to expect. He's he's had a tough time back home with this family and no fault of his own, right? And I think that stability and security and expectations are <clears throat> excuse me, are super super important. And I grew up in foster care when I was a kid for quite some time in my teenage years. And I knew what that felt like to kind of be bounced around a little bit. And so when I would go into some of these homes and they had a very clear schedule, like I just knew like, boom, this is the time that lunch happens. This is the time that I do my chores. This is the time that I get free time to go play. This is what's expected of me. You know, that was really important to me because in a world where nothing stays the same and nothing is for certain and you're not sure what's happening the next day, routine is really important. So before Callan got here, Joe and Parker and I sat down and we came up with a chore chart, a uh, house rules list, and then also a daily routine for the school days. And I say on the school days because on the weekends for our family, all bets are off. Like we, and I love that. We have a super flexible schedule on the weekends. Um, we don't have a specific eating time. We don't do school, obviously. Um, we do have a bedtime, but we do let the boys stay up later on the weekends than they do on the weekdays. But I love not having to get up to the alarm on the weekends and just getting up when we want, eating breakfast together, letting them go out and play, just just kind of a free-for-all um, within limits, obviously. I guess free-for-all is not like the right term. Some people are like, oh my gosh, you're raising feral, feral children up there. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> but we're just laxed on the weekends, and it's really nice. Like, we hit it hard. Monday through Friday, we hit it hard. We are on a routine. And I think it's important for them to have some downtime to just play and not have to worry about um, all the rules and the structure and stuff. So we've never actually done like written house rules and like a written daily routine for our family. Uh, we have done chore charts in the past and I'm a firm believer on chores. I think it's really important that children understand that they are an active uh, member of the family. And someone told me a long time ago or I heard it on a podcast, I can't even remember, but it just stuck with me this all, my whole life basically. A family is like a restaurant. And in order for a restaurant to successfully run, you need a cook, you need hostesses, you need waitresses, you need the accounting person, you know, you have all these people that play a certain role in that restaurant in order for that restaurant to run successfully. It can't be run by one person. A restaurant's not a one-man show, and not any one person should do more than the other person. We all have our role. We all play our part, and because of that, our restaurant is successful. And that's kind of how I look at the family. And I've always taught my children about chores. You know, am I the only one that dirties the dishes? No, I'm not. So why am I the only one that should have to wash them? Am I the only one that goes to the bathroom on the toilet? No, I'm not. You know what I mean? So in order for our home to run successfully, we all have to pitch in and do our part. And I think it's great character building. I think it is really good 
for kids to learn how to work hard, how to get their hands dirty, and to be a part of the family. We do uh, pay the kids allowance. I know that there's a big controversial, you know, uh, idea about that. I shouldn't pay them to help out. And, and I don't pay them to help out. I pay them to reward them for their good attitude about it. And that's for school. That's for helping out with the chores. And it's just fun for the kids when we go into town to get to have a little spending money to get something of their own. Help them count and manage money. That's also good. Parker gets to hand cash to the person at the store. He gets to get his change. Like it's it's honestly a good educational tool as well for them to learn how to handle money, how to save their money for certain things that they want that might be more expensive than the average toy. It's just great all the way around. So I was going to share with you guys um, what we came up with and what we've been following for the last week. It's been a full week that we've implemented these three things in our home, our house rules, our daily routine, and then also our chores for the kids. And I have to tell you guys, it has just been a game changer for me. And I think for all of us, actually, even Parker was like, wow, mom, I really like knowing like what I have to do and what I, and then when I'm done, I can go out and play and not like wondering or not really knowing what's going on. And I think Kellen coming here, being new to our family, he knows every day, you guys, what to do. And I think that that's the best thing for him. He knows what's expected. So the house rules, and I don't know if you guys have ever done these in your home, but maybe if you haven't and you're just looking for some ideas, this is nothing elaborate. I literally have three pieces of paper. I wrote them in a pen and I stuck them on the fridge. Like I'm not all, you know, about charts and glitter and stickers and stuff. You guys know artsy stuff makes my armpits sweat. <laughs> so it's literally just written on three pieces of paper. So our house rules are really um, the things that, obviously this is not a complete list, right? There's things that are still like, whoa, you're not supposed to do that. But these are the main things like between the boys that I felt will come up. And in order to have consequences for behavior, I think it's really important for the kids to know what is allowed and what isn't, uh, what is expected of them, so that you can refer back to the house rules list and say, hey, you're going to have a consequence tonight. You're going to be going to bed 30 minutes early. And this is why. Because we discussed the house rules and you broke rule number two, knowing that that was not acceptable. So the day after Callan got here, uh, we sat down as a family after breakfast at the kitchen table and we went over these three sheets. So they knew what to expect. And then we posted them on the fridge. So the house rules, we have no hitting. Keep hands and feet to yourself. Uh, two is ask before getting food or drinks. You can have water anytime. And we did this not so much for Parker, but for Kellen. Kellen is, uh, how do I say this? Kellen's a little chunky. <laughs> He's a little chunky. And his grandma, I just, she's so funny. She, she would always tease us when we lived there and Parker and Kellen would play. And she would send Parker down with his little pack of donuts and his little thing of Kool-Aid or whatever. And she'd be like, hey, Miss Tina, I, I gave Parker some of that sugar-free candy. And we, we had a joke because we knew if Parker wanted sweets and stuff, he knew where to get it. He would go up to her apartment. <laughs> and we didn't have a problem with it because we didn't keep that kind of stuff in our house. And so it wasn't like he was eating it all the time. But Kellen, on the other hand, and his grandma would even tell you, he kind of was allowed to just go in and get whatever he wanted. And he's actually significantly overweight for what he should be at his age. And so that's where rule number two came in. So we have three meals a day. I do allow snacks in between, but I regulate those snacks. Like you're not going to have three bags of chips. And if you already had a bag of chips with your lunch, then your snack's going to be maybe an apple with peanut butter or a yogurt, right? So I'm just kind of regulating what he's eating to kind of help him understand a healthier pattern for his eating. So definitely asking for food or drinks uh, and water. He can have any time, but drinks is basically if I've got juice in the fridge, we don't buy soda for the house. Occasionally I'll buy apple juice or grape juice or orange juice. And I monitor that as well. Like they get one little glass with breakfast in the morning and then the rest of the day they have to drink milk or water. Number three is no food or drinks upstairs. Bottled water is fine. So for obvious reasons, we don't want flooring and furniture ruined. So there's no food or drinks allowed upstairs except for their bottles of water. No screaming inside. And that's obviously a little challenging with two little boys, but it's just to kind of put that baseline out there like, hey, we live in a tiny little 576 square foot cabin and sound carries. 
<laughs> so we use inside voices. You want to scream and be cray cray. We have 15 acres in the middle of the wilderness of Alaska. Go outside and by all means have a heyday, but you ain't doing it in here. So no screaming inside. Number five, share and play nice. Number six, no lying. Always be honest. And obviously, again, there's going to be lies, but this is to establish a baseline. Hey, we do not lie. And we've already had to have some corrective talks with Callan about lying. You know, when you when the words come out of your mouth, I need to be able to trust you, especially if there's an emergency or something has happened and you tell me something. I need to know that it's the truth and it's not a story. And so a lot of times, for example, Kellen accidentally broke the railing on the banister last night going upstairs. What he didn't know is the railing was already halfway broken. Joe knew it was going to have to be fixed soon anyway. But when he broke it, he brought it to me and was like, oh, hey, I just found this on the ground. Someone broke the railing on the stairs. And I knew instantly he was lying. And I said, Kellen, I'm going to ask you one time to be honest with me. And remember what we talked about. We don't lie in this house. You actually get in more trouble when you lie than if you just tell the truth. And when it's for an accident, like you accidentally broke a glass or you, you know, tripped over something and knocked over a vase and broke it, like you don't get in trouble for those things anyway because those are accidents. They weren't intentional. And I just kind of had that talk with him and I said, I'm going to ask you one more time. How did the rail break? And then he kind of, you know, he was sulking and you could tell that he didn't want to like admit it. He thought he was going to get in trouble. And I said, Kellen, you're not going to get in trouble as long as you're honest. And that's when he was like, well, when I went up around the railing and I grabbed it, it broke off. And I'm like, all right. So it was an accident, right? No biggie. Easy peasy. It's over with. Uh, Joe knew he was going to have to fix it soon anyway. So it's not a problem. And I'm hoping showing him, hey, Telling the truth is a good thing, and it's a lot easier on you if you're truthful than if you're lying. I'm hoping that the repetition of showing him that will help get him out of this habit of lying about things. So number seven, no going in parents' room without asking. So in my room, we have my huge armoire, which is basically our food pantry because I don't have a pantry in the cabin. So all the snacky foods are in here, and also our gun safe is kept in my room. Like our whole arsenal is kept in my bedroom locked in a gun safe. So for obvious reasons, also private, intimate reasons, like the boys don't need to be in here. So if they need something, they need to ask permission um, before ever going into our bedroom. It's just completely off limits for them. And this is new for Parker because Parker has been raised with guns. Parker knows gun safety. We've never, ever not let Parker in our room. Um, but Parker also understands because we've talked to him, hey... We can't have one rule for Callan and not for you. It kind of needs to be equal across the board. And we also need your help setting an example for him. So even though Parker's whole life, he's been allowed in our bedroom. Now, if he comes in here to grab a bottle of water, because we keep the packs of water under my bed, he'll ask me on purpose in front of Callan, Mom, can I go in your water to get, or can I go in your water? Can I go in your room to get a bottle of water? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. And then lo and behold, now Callan, when he wants to grab a bottle of water, he's like, hey, Miss T, can I go in and, and get a bottle of water? So uh, I think that that was a, a really good rule for them. Um, number eight, one hour of electronics per day and only after school and chores are done. You guys, I have done other podcast episodes on electronics. Um, I believe it was, uh, titled serving two masters and the issue with electronic addiction in our culture and our children sitting like zombies in front of all of the electronic devices. And we all know how bad it is for their brain and it's also bad for their attitudes. And we have always monitored Parker on his switch, his iPad, all the things. And I knew that Kellen was kind of allowed to sit on electronics more than Parker was. So I knew this was gonna be really important to hit home as soon as he came to our house because we just don't allow that. We don't allow our children to sit in front of the TV like zombies for six hours or sit on their phone for an hour straight or we just don't allow that. For me, I'm like, go build a fort, go chase frogs, go make a snowman, like go ride your bike, whatever, color a picture, get the paints out, play with Play-Doh, like no, do something that's actually productive and good for your brain. So, so far it's really funny because when Parker wants to play on his electronic device after school, he, the kids know they have to set a timer 
and they can choose how they want to use it. They can do 30 minutes then and then save their other 30 minutes for later in the evening or they can play the whole hour, but they only get one hour of electronics a day. And what's funny is Kellen rarely uses his electronics time. <laughs> There's been a couple times he's brought the iPad out and he's like, okay, Miss T, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play some uh, games for a little bit and then he'll come back to me like five minutes later and he's like, actually, Miss T, I think I'm just gonna save my time for later. I'm gonna build Legos or something, whatever. And then he puts it away and he never even goes back to it. So he's having so much fun playing with Parker. They spent the whole day today building snow tunnels outside I, it's just like, that's good. He's replacing that dead space with good things, that dead space that he used to sit on these devices. He's replacing it with interactive, fun stuff that's really good for him. And it makes my heart really happy to see that. Uh, number nine, always knock on closed doors for obvious reasons. We didn't really have that before Callan got here, but you know, Callan's not our child, so I wouldn't want Callan to like walk in on me sitting on the toilet. Um, I mean, Parker would sometimes, but it's not like he could see anything. I'm covered up. And there was times where I'd be like, Parker, go get me a pad out of the middle bathroom. And he'd run and grab me a pad and bring it to me in the bathroom I'm in or a roll of toilet paper or whatever. Right, moms? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't be judging me. I know you've been doing that too. Okay. So don't be judging. But obviously I don't want Kellen walking in on me if I'm sitting on the toilet or if Joe and I are in our bedroom, uh, he doesn't need to be walking in here if the door's shut. And so obviously those are just respectable, courteous things that they should know anyway. You always, always, always knock on a closed door. <clears throat> Number 10 is uh, no throwing fits. Again, obviously there's gonna be fits and tantrums, but it's establishing that baseline. We do not throw fits. That is unacceptable. If we need a timeout to go sit and compose ourselves and say a little prayer to Jesus and ask for patience and a calm spirit, then that's what we do. But we don't scream. We don't throw fits like a two-year-old. We just do not tolerate any of that. I've never tolerated that with my children. Um, and I'm not gonna do it with Callan either. It's the same thing. And there's been a couple times I've had to send him upstairs and told him, you know, you go sit on the bed until you're done and you may not come back down and finish the movie or continue coloring or whatever he was doing until you have calmed down and act right because we don't do that and sure enough he'll go up there and sit down and then five ten minutes later he'll come back down and I say are you done and he says yes Miss T okay you can go back to playing Legos or whatever it was you know but it's just not wavering on these house rules this at the slightest like we just cannot right now it's super important more right now than ever while everything is so fresh and new number 11 be be respectful no talking back uh that's the other thing that we just don't put up with our kids you know the bottom line is we are the adults they are the children and they need to be respectful and uh you know that that's just i mean gosh that's when i was growing up it was like that now my mom would pop me in the mouth <laughs> That's how I grew up. My mama popped me in the mouth. She didn't do no early bedtime consequences. And, you know, we didn't have electronics to get taken away back then. It was just like you got popped. You got hit with a flip flop or a fly swatter. Obviously, we're not going to do that to the kids. Um, but they do get consequences. And and I'm going to talk about that here in just a second, too. So be respectful. No talking back. And then we did discuss some of the consequences for breaking any of the house rules. And this is not a complete list, but this was just to give the boys an idea of what could happen if they choose to be uh, disobedient and break the rules. So the first one is loss of electronics. The next one is an early bedtime. The next one is a timeout. And then the fourth one is all-encompassing loss of privileges, right? Whatever we choose at the time. So we try to pick things that mean the most to the boys. They love their hour of electronics a day because that's all they get. They love being able to stay up until their bedtime. Um, and the timeout, like if they're fighting or something happened outside and I make Parker come in and sit in timeout, he hates that. He wants to go back outside and keep doing what he's doing. So I try to pick things that would bother them the most, right? And then one little side note, we keep all electronics in our bedroom at night. All electronics. Tablets, switches, everything stays in our bedroom at night uh, because we do not allow, I don't want the kids getting a, you know, wild hair up their butt and getting up in the middle of the night and playing on the Nintendo Switch for hours at a time. So, funny story. And I still cannot believe 
I'm sitting on a wicker chair and I need to get a different chair for my desk. But if you hear squeaking, it's my chair. <laughs> so probably about two years ago, when we lived at the One Acre Homestead in Virginia, Parker was maybe seven or eight when this happened. We had got him a Nintendo Switch for Christmas and we got him this, some games or whatever. Okay, long story short, you guys, one day I woke up, woke Parker up for school. We were already homeschooling at this point and he seemed really, really off. He seemed really tired and I was like, Parker, are you feeling okay? And I was like feeling his forehead. And I'm like, buddy, why don't you just lay on the couch for a little bit? He was sluggish and tired and groggy and his eyes were all just droopy and red. And, you know, he laid on the couch or whatever. And I'm like, are you sick? What is wrong with you? Come to find out that little boy <laughs> got up when he was supposed to go to bed the night before, grabbed his switch and secretly played his switch in his bed while we were sleeping all night long. I'm talking, what, eight hours, nine hours? I'm, I'm literally not exaggerating. And <laughs> you guys are not gonna believe this. I don't know when it was, if it was like a couple weeks later or what, but I was helping Parker clean his room and I found an, a soda bottle stuffed behind his bunk bed. And when I pulled it out, it was full of yellow fluid. And I was like, Parker, what is this? And he just looked white in the face like he saw a ghost. And I'm like, what is in this bottle? And he's like, pee. I'm like, what? Why are you peeing in a bottle? What in the world? Come to find out, the night that he stayed up all night playing on his Switch, when he had to pee, he would just pee in that empty bottle because he was afraid of coming out to go to the bathroom and waking us up, and he just wanted to keep playing on his Nintendo. Can you guys believe that? <laughs> I couldn't. I wasn't completely shocked. Like, Parker, Parker's a good kid. He really is. He doesn't do wild things like that. And I, from that moment on, I was like, oh, no, electronics are bad. They're addictive. They make kids do wild things. They make adults do wild things. Like they make us not think straight, right? My seven or eight year old child stayed up on his switch for at least eight or nine hours, literally did not even go to sleep that night. So by the time I went and woke him up for school, he must have just fallen asleep and maybe been asleep for 30 minutes to an hour, which is why when I woke him up for school, he was so out of it. Crazy right? So from that day forward, like all electronics stay in our room at night. And, you know, I've told you guys some stories in the past with Lexi when she was a teenager with her phone and finding her on her phone in the middle of the night and all those good things. So no nope, electronics, they, they go, they stay in the parents' room at night. So really quickly, I'll tell you guys the chores we came up with the boys. They're very age appropriate. So every day, even on the weekends, the boys put the dishes together put the dishes away together, and they also clean the litter box together. So Parker's responsible for cleaning out the litter box, and Callan is responsible for vacuuming any litter that is around the litter box and surrounding areas. Uh, they also have to pick up their room every night before bed. So right before we do book reading and prayer time, they go upstairs for five to ten minutes and pick up all their toys from the day. So Mondays, Parker vacuums upstairs. Callan takes out the bathroom trash. Tuesdays, Kellen vacuums downstairs and Parker cleans the toilet. Wednesdays, Kellen wipes down the fridge, the front of the fridge and the front of the stove and Parker vacuums the stairs that lead to the, their bedroom upstairs. And Thursdays, Kellen organizes the boot and glove area. Obviously, we live in Alaska, so the entry area where all the boots and gloves go always is a disaster and looks like a bomb went off. And that day, Parker cleans the window seals and the top of the fridge with a wet rag uh, to get rid of the dust. On Fridays, Parker cleans the bathroom mirror and the sink, and then Kellen vacuums the fireplace area because obviously ash and little chunks of wood and dust and stuff from the fireplace uh, makes quite a mess around there. So that's it for their chore chart. And so far, so good. They have been doing a fantastic job with that. And I will have to say and admit that Kellen 
has actually had a better job about doing his chores than Parker. Parker's always kind of been like that, mom, or sighing about things. Callan got up and did the dishes yesterday all by himself, put the dishes away without even being told to. And then I did the dishes a second time later yesterday, and he came in and put those dishes away too. And I didn't even have to ask him to do it. So Callan's got a fantastic attitude about chores, which is really cool. Maybe that will rub off on Parker a little bit. So our daily routine, this is on school days, and it's pretty set in stone, but at the same time, you guys, I don't hold myself to the minute. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I don't have to. We are out here in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. So if I say school starts at 10 and we don't get started until 1030, it's like, what about it? Who's going to who's gonna say anything? Who's going to like spank me for it, right? Like this is our homeschool. This is just like a guideline of how I want to see our days structured, but we are not to the minute with it every day. It's just a guideline to keep the day flowing the way that it needs to. So 8.30 to 9.30 is wake up time, make your beds, brush your teeth, and eat breakfast. 10 a.m. school starts, and we do our morning devotional and journaling time together, and then we do one lesson whatever that may be, math, language arts, whatever, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. is lunch and break. So they can eat lunch, go outside and play, which I found that the outside play is so good for them. They have that whole hour to eat lunch, go sledding. Climbing up and down that sled hill is a lot of physical exercise. It gets so much energy out. So that hour is really needed. 1 p.m. school resumes and we finish remaining lessons after school chores get done and then free time. In the evening, we do dinner together as a family. We sit at the table and eat dinner. And after dinner, we do our Bible reading. And I just read straight from the Bible. Um, and when Callan first got here, you know, I explained to him, you know, uh, some of this may not make sense to you because some of the Bible doesn't make sense to adults. Let's just be honest. It can be difficult to read. It can be difficult to understand. But I have seen the fruits of that labor with Parker. I have been reading the Bible to Parker since he was like four years old. And hearing things over and over and over again, it just sticks in his brain. And I think that it's very fruitful if you just stick with it. And they do pick up bits and pieces. And you guys, it just opens up conversation in a way that is so important for the family. Sitting around the dinner table, talking about Jesus, talking about healing the people, talking about the crucifixion, talking about where we go when we die, talking about the Lord's sacrifice on the cross for us, like just all the things. It's so important for them to get that at a young age. And that's, you know, we found that reading the Bible after dinner is the best time because that's the time of the evening that the day is is now wind down, wound down, winded down, wound down. I don't know. Whatever. It's the end of the day when everything is done. We're all at the table already because we just finished dinner. And so we do about 20 or 30 minutes of Bible reading and discussion, family talking. And it's just, it's amazing. You guys, if you've never done it, I really encourage you to do it. Um, it, it just opens up so much discussion for you and the kiddos. I really like it. 9 p.m. is jammies and brush teeth, read story, and pick up room. So at 9 o'clock, everything stops. They've got to put their pajamas on, brush their teeth. We take them upstairs. They pick up their room, and then we read a bedtime story to them, which they love. They're so funny, and you guys know me. If you watch my YouTube video, you know I'm a crazy lady, so I'll be reading some stories, and I get into character and stuff, and it's, like, really fun to read stories with Tina. 9.30 is bedtime, and then the weekend bedtime is a little bit later. Um, that just kind of shifts a little bit, but I do let them stay up later on the weekend. So that is the daily routine our chore list for the boys and the house rules that we came up with. And so far, so good. This was our first official week that we had Kellen today. The time of this recording is Sunday. We got him last Sunday. So we had a full four days of school. Monday, we didn't do school because we had to go into town and buy him clothes and winter gear and all the things that he needed. But four days of school and he did really, really good. So it's been a blessing to have Kellen for Parker, just having a companion out here to play with. I mean, they are joined at the hips all the time. 
playing Legos, playing in the snow, like all the things, you guys. And it's been so good for Parker because, like I said, he essentially was the only child his whole life growing up because the age difference between him and Lexi. And especially being out here in Alaska, you know, we are pushed out pretty far. We do homeschool. So even though I do plug Parker into the library, we do have playdates with some other homeschool friends we've already made up here. Um, there's lots of things that they have, events and you know, things for kids to plug him into on the everyday when we're home, homeschooling, Parker's by himself. So if it's not me and Joe out sledding with him and playing with him, he's left to play by himself. And so it's been such a blessing to have Kellen. And I think it's been a blessing for Kellen. You know, Kellen was essentially the only child. And now Kellen has his best friend back and they can play together all the time. So I can't wait, you guys, to take Kellen on some adventures with us. You know, we bought the remote cabin a couple weeks ago, a fishing cabin on 15 acres on a river here in Alaska, and we have a boat. Cannot wait to take the boys this summer to go fishing and just do all the things, take Kellen ice fishing for the first time. And these are things that Kellen probably would never have gotten the opportunity to do if he hadn't come to Alaska. And that's the same thing for us. If the military hadn't brought us here uh, to begin with back in like, what was it, 2003 when we were in the army, we probably would have never came to Alaska and fallen in love with this place. It's pretty spectacular. It's pretty magical. Callan had got to see three or four moose on his, you know, during the first week that he's been with us, you know, just driving. He sees them on the side of the road and it's just been fun for him. We have a huge bird feeder out front of the cabin, and we have tons of gray jays and black-capped chickadees and uh, woodpeckers and all kinds of animals that he can watch right through the kitchen window when he's eating. And, you know, just open space, just freedom. And uh, he was having a lot of issues in school back in Virginia, in North Carolina, where he's from. And I think getting him out of that setting into an individualized educational setting with me homeschooling is going to be really good for Kellen. So far this week, he's just thrived and he's blown away at how fast school is over, is what he said. Because in public school, you know, he's used to going to school six, seven hours a day. And here, um, I'm able to get things done a lot faster because I'm schooling two children instead of 20 to 25 children. And it's very easy to go boom, boom, boom through one lesson to the next with them. And we pretty much get school done in three hours a day. Even now that I have Kellen, um, I can bounce back and forth between the boys. And thankfully, Parker's in fifth grade. So he's pretty self-sufficient. He can kind of work on his lessons independently. And then I can just go back through and check his work with him and correct the things that were wrong and spend some time, you know, giving instruction on new concepts and stuff, but I'm very easily able to work with Kellen one-on-one -on -one without taking anything away from Parker. So we all sit at the table and knock out school about three hours a day, and it's just been wonderful. And my dream has come true, to be honest with you guys. Um, and I hope that this is able to be permanent if that's what Kellen's family decides. Um, but even if it's not, we will fully support whatever his mom chooses at the end of this year. But this is something that Joe and I have always wanted to do. And I think that there's a reason that the Lord brought Kellen and his family into our lives when he did. You know, nothing happens by accident. God's plan is always better than ours. And that kind of goes into the whole baby topic. You know, I can make plans all day long on what we're going to do with Kellen, what we're going to do about maybe having another baby. But at the end of the day, it's not up to me. It's all in God's timing and it's all in his plan. And I've learned from, Lord knows I've learned from past experiences that his plan is always better than mine. So not to kick down doors for things that I want, but rather bring things to him in prayer and let him decide for us. So well, I hope today's show was helpful for somebody out there, and I really want to encourage you guys, if you've never sat down and done like a daily routine, chore chart, house rules chart with your kiddos, um, there's always 
the opportunity to start fresh, right? So even if you haven't done it and you want to do it, you can always come together, have a family meeting and say, hey, we're gonna be making some changes and this is what it look likes and looks like. And I really encourage you to get the kiddos involved in that process too. Um, we sat down and we were able to talk with the kids about that and I think it's important just to establish the baseline. And you know, honestly, you guys, when we're talking about reading the Bible and stuff with the kids, Think of like the heart posture of your children. You know, when Parker does something wrong or he's been acting disrespectful or whatever, I'm able to look at Parker and say, you know, it's not even just a matter of right or wrong. I can look at Parker and ask him flat out, you know, how do you think God feels right now with the way that you've been talking to me? Do you think that the Lord is happy with the way that you just did that? And because Parker has a relationship with God and knows the Lord and loves the Lord and cares about what the Lord thinks of him, statements to him like that matter. It makes an impact versus just saying, you know, you shouldn't have an attitude with me every time I tell you it's time to go do your dishes or your chore or to sit down and do schoolwork. Because then it's like, well, who cares, right? I mean, yeah, they might be disappointing their parents, but there's something bigger with God. And so instilling that relationship with Christ at a young age, letting them know like what the Lord expects of them, what the Lord wants for them, right? And I started Parker early on Colossians 3.23. It's one of my favorite verses. And Parker has it memorized now because I say it to him all the time. Whatever you do, do it heartily as if working for the Lord, not men. So no matter what you do, no matter how big or small, I don't care if it's performing brain surgery on somebody or it's cleaning a toilet or it's doing a math problem during school. Whatever you do, we're supposed to do it as if we're doing it for the Lord, not for men, not for my mom, not for my school teacher, not for my neighbor, right? Because if you really think about it, you guys, even me as a mom, when I'm doing laundry and there's days where I'm like, man, Every, I just like, all I do is walk around picking up after everybody, like literally picking up after everybody all day long. And sometimes I get quite pissy. I'm like, I am not a maid, right? And that's not to say that I don't hold people accountable, but I look at my heart posture and I feel the Lord convicting me because I'm supposed to be a housewife and a mother with the spirit of I'm doing this for the Lord, not for men, Right. And if Jesus was standing here right now, which he is right. But if he was physically here where I could see him, do you think I'd be grumbling like that? No, I'd be like, oh, I love cleaning toilets. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what I tell Parker. Like if the Lord was standing here right now where you could see him, would you have just acted like that? And it's instantly like it's convicting because we don't think about it like that. And we forget that the Lord is here. And he's watching everything we're doing. So post Colossians 3.23 up on the fridge and make it known. <laughs> it's a really important verse. But anyway, friends, I hope you guys enjoyed this show today. Joe actually took Parker and Kellen up to the local market and out to lunch so that I could have some quiet time. And this is the second time he's done that in a week. And it's kind of nice. It's just really cool to see Joe with the two boys and with Kellen and seeing that dynamic, it's super sweet. And I just really enjoy that he's like, all right, get your gloves and boots on. We're gonna go here and mom's gonna have some alone time. And it's much, much appreciated. So, all right, you guys take care and stay blessed. And I will see you on the next podcast show. If you guys aren't following us over on YouTube, our YouTube channel is Home Free Alaska. And we are also on Instagram at Home Free Alaska. If you want to check us out there, we do a lot of, you know, daily stories and things like that of what's going on in the crazy Watson household. So I know there's a lot more of you that are listening to the channel. Um, I always say the channel to the podcast. And I sure appreciate that. It's gone up a lot in the last few weeks. And um, I think that's probably attributed to you guys sharing with friends and family. And I just want to thank you for continuing to share the podcast. If you think it would be helpful to somebody, you know, it's just us sitting here having a conversation about everyday life stuff. But yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, you guys take care and we'll talk again really soon.